All right. Let's do it. Happy uh, day two of the Iowa caucus. Yeah. No drop for that? Oh, I've got a drop for it. Spare me worth it. Smell my fart. <laughs> the evergreen. Um, so bailing on outsider. Yeah. Oh yeah. You doing your own drop? That was that was anticlimactic. <laughs> yeah. Uh well are you you're still watching it? I couldn't get through the last episode. I, I might. It's bad. I lost yeah, I, I kinda lost track of time a little bit. And so I didn't get a chance to watch it. I'm exactly eight minutes and 41 seconds into it. And it is bad. It's bad. Um, so, yeah, I guess I'm, I'm going to try and finish watching the series. Mm -hmm. Although I will say uh, I got a little notification in my email box today about... My watching activities of this last episode, so <laughs> it is not worth it. For not that, going, not going down for that. But I may, we'll we'll see. We'll see where it goes. Yeah, I mean, I guess just to wrap it up. Um. So now, what was it? Two episodes ago. Mm -hmm. I mean, my my first thought was just: Is there one restaurant in the whole town? Do you right. you remember that far? Like. Everyone goes to eat and they all end up like three of the main characters all end up in the same restaurant. It's right. like yeah. um the, I thought that was ridiculous. The one thing that stuck out to me that I think was my final it was like the kill switch, right? As soon as I heard this, I just closed my notes app, turned my brain completely off was right at the beginning of the episode where what's her name Cynthia Revo Holly Holly is following the uh retirement home mm -hmm. orderly or whatever mm -hmm. and she turns around and pepper sprays her mm -hmm. and she starts yelling I can't see I can't see and the orderly goes yeah that's why it's called pepper spray I was like, what? It doesn't make any That's sense. That's why it's called blind juice. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, that, uh, that, that's, that's not, the, that's not that what it's called. Help. Pepper spray. That doesn't work. That doesn't help. <laughs> <laughs> like, what kind of writing is this? <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's one in, in the last episode that I, I couldn't finish. Um, there's a back and forth that, uh, now I've totally forgot his, <laughs> his name, Ralph. Yeah. Has with his wife, which again, calling back to the book, the one thing I like about the book is it's just a lot of good people trying mm -hmm. to do the best they can. 
and everyone is kind of supportive. There's a scene in the book where the wife is a little nervous, but she's not overbearing. Right. She gets it and she gets him. Right. She knows they has to kind of see it through. There's no unnecessary drama. No unnecessary drama, and it makes it all the richer. Right. In this one, she gets visited by the creature mm. who tells her that route you know to get ralph to stop investigating and then she tells him and the next morning he's like do you do you remember after you know what happened to our son so again going back and leaning back on that trope right right um of the son being dead yeah <clears throat> they were like um uh you you went to a asylum or you know you you went away for a little bit or the doctor prescribed you some medication uh-huh and she she goes yeah but i'm not on that medication anymore he goes <laughs> yeah i know but you've been sleepwalking since then and you know maybe you were sleep and it's like you you just brought up the entire history of your son dying and yeah. your wife getting prescription that she's not even taking anymore to set up a point of right of what like the writing was so horrible. Yeah. It's it's almost as bad as your glasses. <laughs> yeah, well, my other glasses cracked right on the part that rests on my ear. Uh-huh. And so now I've got like a little bit of a cut on my ear, and it hurts to wear mm. my glasses now. Well, I'll tell you, with the way that you look, I don't know how bad it hurts, but if the pain is, you know, on a scale from <laughs> one to ten, if the, if the pain's a four I mean, below, I can take them off and I won't be able to see anything at all. And you are really blind. All right, let's let's try that for a little bit. It's, it's throwing me off. I'm then I'm gonna have tape rubbing on my ear. I mean, does that sound comfortable? Tape on your ear? Having tape, wearing glasses with tape on it, and then having that tape rubbing on your ear where there's already a cut. I'll need to see the cut. Well, I don't know if it's cut. It, it's, yeah, it's, it's raw. Really okay? It's a little raw. It's a little red spot. It stings. <laughs> oh, man. Well, let's just hope it heals overnight because I don't want you going out in public looking uh -huh. like that. Uh -huh. Yeah, so. You, you look like uh, the Trailer Park Boys. Never seen the show, but. Just a guess. I feel like everyone knows that guy. Mm -hmm. Everyone knows what the Trailer Park Boys well, from are. the memes and stuff. Oh, yeah, I guess. So, yeah, done with The Outsider, more or less, outside of maybe passing mentions until the show's over. If we're staying on HBO, though, the next thing that I am interested in is this McDonald's. Oh, yeah. Oh. Um, McDonald's? Yeah. The, uh, the giveaway documentary, there's a scandal. People tried to cheat. You Remember the Monopoly? Yeah. McDonald's Monopoly uh -huh. game? Which, even as a kid, I thought about different ways that I could cheat it. Like, Of course. Yeah, even as a kid, I was like, I would just love to run back there and grab a whole right, bunch grab of a handful, yeah. large cups and run out. And I vaguely remember, because I was young then, that there was some kind of grift or something, some story that happened around it. And uh, they're just starting a, a documentary series kind of exploring this McDonald's monopoly um, grift. 
Oh, so it's like a take on like how this is a ripoff? No, 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 no. Like literally oh, how someone right. people tried and and apparently the story is really crazy. I I'm struggling to even describe it because I'm trying to not read about it. Right. Um, but apparently the story's very crazy. And it's just a one-off documentary. It's one-off a- documentary and um oh, I think it's it's a documentary series. Okay. And it's got a few episodes. Um but yeah, some early reviews came out. People say it's great. And mm-hmm. as somebody who also schemed how I could cheat that system. Sure. Uh, I'm interested. Yeah. What if it is just like a, a bunch of 11-year-olds <laughs> who did my plan? <laughs> just people running in and out of McDonald's. Taking cups. Grabbing handfuls of, of cups. <laughs> French fry containers. I mean, you know, it, it is something that you think like, I know that it's all regulated, but man, if I was an hourly employee making minimum wage and I didn't care about my job, mm-hmm. I would find a way to like get fired on the day that I quit, like slide a few well, scratch tickets. I mean, that to me, that's the thing about like daily fantasy and the controversy that came out recently about the husband husband and wife wife reality tv couple who got busted the only reason they got busted is because they announced their winnings Mm -hmm. i guarantee you all of those fantasy pros are doing the exact same thing yeah probably they all have multiple accounts where they're submitting as many lineups as possible Mm -hmm. just as like it's one big grift the only reason those people got caught is because they were doing like some promotional thing where they had to like show their lineups or something yeah or whatever it was they openly announced (laughs) that they were cheating basically without probably without realizing they were cheating yeah it's kind of like the the kid who just got arrested the nintendo hacker Uh you hear that story no um he just got arrested and he just like openly was stealing information like uh hacking Nintendo employees and and mm. hacking switch stuff and taking data and like the FBI came to his house yeah and they were like we need you he was a minor and they're like talking to his parents like we need you to get your son to stop and they're like okay we will get him to stop <laughs> right. and then he like jumped on a message where he's like the FBI just came in to say hello and starts bragging about it and just like keeps doing it yeah. And then now he's arrested facing jail time. And it's like, what? I, you know what I mean? Like, what are you thinking? What's going through? Like, you get one message and now you're off the outsider. You know what I mean? You get one, <laughs> you get one little email and you're backing off. Yeah. But for some people. This kid gets an actual phone call. <laughs> oh, no, this guy gets an actual visit from the FBI yeah. and just immediately is like, yeah, the FBI just came by to say hello and then just continues to do his thing. Yeah. Makes no sense. Yeah. That, there was a thing on Reddit this week about uh, a teacher who got his shoes stolen. Did you see that? I, I think I saw like a video where they bought the teacher new right. shoes or something like that. Yeah. I couldn't care to, to click it. <laughs> yeah. Well, he uh, jumped in there and had posted a few comments. But the thing that stuck with me is he was just kind of like, like, right. Like, obviously, he's like this everyone loves him he's this great teacher right which is wonderful but he's like he jumps in there and he's like yeah i was just gonna let it go you know i just chalk it up to some kid whose brain isn't fully formed yet just making a bad decision 
And that's kind of just what it is. Like, yeah. I think their brains just, you know what I mean? They're not it's developed. It's not developed yet. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and the outsiders is as undeveloped as a middle school kid's brain. Yeah. So I, mean, I, I, mean, I just don't know what they were thinking. And it seems like with this episode I'm starting now, it's like they're trying to, it, they're, they're, it's like they're just, I don't know. It's like they've become obsessed with this idea that it's happened a million times before. And so they're going to start introducing all those other times it's happened. It's like, no, I, it, their new um, mystery, which really, it was my kill switch, was when Kevin, I don't know whoever his name is, mm-hmm. Ethan, the bad cop. Jack. Jack mm-hmm. just starts bringing lamps and stuff out into the woods. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, so this isn't in the book. So <laughs> you guys want to spice it up. Well, right. And it's like. I don't know. Let's have him kill a deer and and collect like home furnishings out in the woods. Yeah, maybe people will be intrigued by what that's all about. And it's right. like th- there's no way you bring that mystery to a satisfying conclusion, especially given with what you have. You're you're just looking for what will keep people watching, and I guess this will do it. Yeah. And then, and then the the last episode again starts with like a cringe scene with Jack out in the woods calling the thing to tell him what it wants and he's done with it and all and it's just and then you see him get terrible. attacked by some invisible force on his neck right and it's just is like yeah I don't know it's I just can't do it so then um I recommended that well i recommended you read um i'm thinking of ending things yeah so i read that and that's a it's a novella right yeah it's it's, not, it's, it's not pretty long. short it's, it's pretty short um and you know uh i i read it because i saw charlie kaufman was adapting and directing a version for Netflix mm-hmm. coming out this year. And the the reviews that I read for I'm thinking of ending things hit right in the sweet spot. Like the reviews for the book. Yeah. What mm-hmm. you're looking for is you is you're looking for a good three, like high three and a half to a four, especially on Goodreads. Mm-hmm. You, you don't want to read a five star one, okay? And you definitely don't want to read a five star twenty four thousand reviews, right? That it will be the most generic, like uh, the the lady in the window, mm-hmm. you know, uh, cabin twelve ten, or mm-hmm. it, it, it's all these like pulpy beach reads that people read. Yeah, oh, exactly. that's fun, and they just rank like five stars because they actually read it, right. or. or they- <laughs> You read it quickly. Yeah. Like, oh, it's great. So you you don't want that. You need it to go over some people's heads. You need it to go over some people's heads. You need some people read it and be like, this is boring. You know, that that that's a that's a good sign. And there were enough people um criticizing I'm thinking of ending things for you know being slow yeah. and nothing happening and especially with a book of that size. And and given like if 
Charlie Kaufman is adapting and directing. It's got something. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, basically either a good recommendation from somebody I trust and a nice sweet spot of like a 3.8 out of five stars on Goodreads. I'm going to read that book and I'm probably going to really like it. And I think it's a, it's a really good, um, story. It's, I, I could almost call it just a genre piece, but it really gives you a sense of that character. Yeah. And especially by the end, you see how tricky that is to create as distinctive characters as he does. Mm. And the interplay between them, I thought it was fantastic. Mm -hmm. It's really good. Yeah. Uh, it seems perfect for Charlie Kaufman to adapt. I think so. But it also, to me... And I think this is something we were talking about in a past episode where I'm just not creative enough to sort of see how that would be translated until I see it. Mm. I don't see how you could do like a straight translation of the story. It just wouldn't work. So it's going to have to be, I feel like it's going to have to be pretty different from the book. Yeah. Like, again, there's a few ways you can go, right? You can expand. And so keep the basic structure, but just build it out a little more for, for visual medium, mm -hmm. or you can go even more obtuse, right? David Lynch, Lynchian. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I, I, I think there's enough there that he wouldn't have to change too much. I think it's just going to be on, on how he chooses to specifically adapt it. But you haven't seen Synecdoche, New York, right? Right. Um, I think that narrative shows his ability to kind of keep a narrative going while also introducing these other ideas and, and layering them on a, mm. a story in a way that is compelling. So I, I think he could do it. It just made me think, um, I want to see the cast list. What if he does it like, uh, like a big mama's house? Where he just has one actor playing all the roles. <laughs> uh, depending on the actor, I would love... Well, I mean, listen, I'm going to see it. Right. I, at this point in his career, though, I think he would more readily do, like, stop motion. Like, it, uh -huh. it would... Or it would be, like, live action, but it would be a stop motion puppet mm -hmm. as the main character. <laughs> right. Like, he would probably do yeah. something like... Like that. So, um, all right, let's see. The cast. What a weird way of doing this. Yeah, and I'll say the thing that I really, really enjoyed about the book is that it's short. It's a very quick read. It's very easy to read, and it's, like, really easy to burn through. I read it in a week, and I am a slow reader. Mm -hmm. But it also does it just a really, really good job of, like, like, if, if you think about the story from start to finish, there isn't a ton of things that happen. But there's a lot of, like, um, light sort of uh, real-world philosophical questions mm -hmm. throughout mm -hmm. it and just sort of, like, musings and 
you know, this character thinking about different like events that kind of happen in everybody's life, but having a really interesting like perspective on it. Yeah, it, it's really compelling. Um, I want you to take a look at some of these people. Okay. First off, cast list, cast list looks great. Tony Collette, Jesse Plemons, happy with. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I want you to look at the guy who is um, Austin Ferris. I want you to read his character in the movie. Uh huh. And then look at the last guy pictured in this list. He's at the very bottom, and his uh, his character name. Okay. Austin Ferris. Austin Austin Ferris first. Uh huh. What does it say? Elderly audience member. How old does he look? He looks fairly young. He look. I, I'd put him at like early twenties. Yeah, sure. I'm trying to think of. Yeah, see, I don't know. And then, uh, last guy pictured. Thomas Hats. <laughs> High schooler. <laughs> How old is that guy? Yeah. It is I won't I won't be surprised if when the movie comes out, they're switched. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. IMDB just screwed it up. Yeah. Uh yeah, it, I want to see like, yeah, the elderly audience member, number one. Don't know what that really is referring to yeah. either. Maybe I could see maybe in a flashback. Um Yeah, I guess doing it but i also want to know the story of not being able to find an elderly audience <laughs> member yeah, that's true. and needing to use the the 20 year right, old kid right. or is it going to be like the whole story is going to hinge on this elderly right. audience member yeah that is strange maybe it'll be like the dissidence of like having this 20 year old bus boy and old man makeup <laughs> yeah so Right now, I'm I'm intrigued because I love the story. I love Charlie Kaufman. But now I want to see who the hell this elderly audience member is going to be in this yeah. thing. Uh, and how is Thomas Hatz going to pull off being a high schooler? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So that and then we're also reading. Well, I just finished, but I recommended Pop. 1280 right uh and you you're still just started that yeah i'm pretty early on yeah but we'll probably talk about that i i ended up really liking it um yeah i love it so far it was not at all what i was expecting it to Mm -mm. be um no it's not it's got uh at least so far early on a very like heavy handed but i think funny tone it's very like feels very like theatrical you know what i mean yeah. like just very like heightened yeah but it's really funny yeah um yeah it, it, it's the kind of humor too that um i saw a, a clip being passed around where netflix released kind of martin scorsese shooting the irishman mm-hmm. and there's a scene where he's watching you haven't seen the Irishman yet. Mm-mm. Uh, he, he's watching Robert De Niro in the movie. It's a scene where Robert De Niro 
pulls a gun on a guy mm-hmm. and tells him to like get in a car. And De Niro's like, get in the fucking car. Mm-hmm. And Scorsese is watching on the monitor and he just like lights up. He starts like laughing at it uh-huh. and he just goes hysterical, hysterical. And he like turns to look, look back at like uh-huh. them shooting the scene. Yeah. He's watching on the monitor. Uh, yeah. And, and somebody just posted there like, you know, the, the, the pure joy of Scorsese right. watching, you know, uh, De Niro work, but also it's a scene with like, underlying violence in it and like isn't maybe necessarily funny but like if you're tuned in right to to what they're doing yeah it's it's hilarious it's great you know it's great so that that's kind of how i feel about pop 1280 where yeah that's true it's just like it's not overtly like it's not like oh that's funny it's just like Man, this is cra- this is crazy, and that's right. funny and weird. It's right. a, it's just a different tone. Part of right? the humor is how over the top it is. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Like I mean, and and kind of again, he kind of early on, especially reminds me of your Sarian, your Sarian in Catch Twenty Two, where the world is kind of happening to him. Mm-hmm. He's kind of just existing. So yeah, he goes to see his buddy sheriff in like the neighboring town, and he asks what to do with these, you know, pimps that he's dealing with. And the guy like literally is just like stand up in the, in the doorway and just like kicks him as hard as he can right. like out the, the, right. the door yeah. uh, to just kind of prove a point. And that's, that's taken like, Oh yeah, you proved yeah. your point. Thanks there. Hank. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's a good point. His advice, is, his advice is just to kick him in the kick balls. Him in the balls. <laughs> And he tells him that by kicking him in the back, right? Uh, while also berating his deputy, yeah, uh, the whole time. So yeah, it's it's really you you know unique. Um, I heard Yorgos Lanthimos was gonna adapt it, but okay. I I don't see it anywhere on his IMDb. Oh. So I read that one, thinking I was gonna get a film payoff, but didn't. But it's it's good, yeah. and and another short one, yeah. That brings us to the main course, Mm -hmm. Kentucky Route Zero. Right. Okay. Yeah. So instead of the outsider, we're going to work our way through the now five episodes of the Kentucky Route Zero game, Mm -hmm. which apparently came out. It's been years. 2013. Yeah. Um, and for whatever reason, I'd always thought it was like an old, like even older nineties uh, point and click adventure game. Because of the art style, I had never seen anything oh, about really? it. I'd yeah. only heard the name in passing. I played like five minutes of the first episode when it first got released, like back in twenty thirteen. Right. Picked it up on like Steam for like it was super cheap, um, and then realized it was episodic so i paused because i didn't want to get into it but the the art of it was the first thing that that kind of caught my eye that drew me to it Mm -hmm. um and so i stopped and then actually forgot about it until playing on the switch you're playing on the switch i'm playing it on xbox oh Uh, how much was it on xbox because they always charge you more on on the switch, twenty five, I think. Oh, same. Yeah. So yeah, I'm playing on a 
switch light. Mm-hmm. Um, so you played through the first act, right? Um, I played through the first act and I had read or heard somebody say that they're playing through it and they enjoyed it, but they do kind of see how it could be benefited by people waiting and living with the acts Mm. and not Mm -hmm. just being able to breeze through them. Yeah. So I think it's good that we try and do like one per week uh, and see how maybe the week in between helps to, to think about it. So I played through act one and then I think each act has an interstitial piece. Okay. So I played that, but I've held off on act two mm-hmm. until we talked about act one and then I could move on. Okay. Uh, but my big picture thoughts. Um, so I, I went back and listened to a few people kind of talk about it. Oh, by the way, I finally got, it, it's been a few months ago. Uh, but I played through the Curse of the Obra Dinn. Uh-huh. That's on Switch. I think mm-hmm. it's on Xbox now. A hundred percent, play it. I I actually think you would really like it's like it too. a puzzle game, right? Uh, yeah, it's it's a deduction game, mm-hmm. but it's it's real good, like mm-hmm. real good. Um, so I heard some people talking about it, and um, people seem to be down on the first episode. Of Kentucky Route Zero. And so I went in thinking like, okay, not expecting much. Uh, Maybe it's going to lay the groundwork. But it really worked for me. Oh, really? Yeah. Like a lot. Yeah. And it's kind of lived in my brain. It kind of wormed its way in there. Mm -hmm. And so for a week, I've had kind of, you know, had dreams in the style of mm-hmm. it and Kentucky it's been Route zero brain worms. Yeah. 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 It, it, it totally has been living in there. So I don't know what, pe- I mean, maybe my expectations were set because I heard people say like, it's more of an interactive novel, interactive right. story yeah, uh, than a game. Um, so maybe I went in with the right expectation, but through it not being focused or the writing, like I don't know. For me, it, it it sucked me in pretty much for some specific reasons that maybe we'll get to. But what would you think yeah. overall? I wonder, is it telling one continuous story, do you know? Or is it a, like five different stories centered no, around this I, one mysterious thing? I think it's, it's going to branch out, include other people. But I think it's going to be you know, starting with these characters, even if we don't end it with those characters, mm-hmm. it will still be one story. Yeah. I think, I don't know. Uh, I definitely breeze through it. I was trying to just get through the first act. Um, I think it comes down to how we enjoy or what we expect from like different types of media. Mm-hmm. So I definitely agree with the idea of like, it's just kind of an interactive story. You're not really doing anything. You're not really making consequent consequential decisions. Like you can choose to explore sort of different branches of the story but I feel like the story itself is probably fairly linear. You know what I mean? Like you're not going to change any outcomes of the story. Um, 
And I think when that's the case, I would rather just read the story. <laughs> and when I'm sitting in front of my Xbox, I want to actually be doing something. <laughs> yeah, I, I think fundamentally you and I, it, th this will probably be a difference in how we, exactly what you said, you know, expect and, and engage art yeah. stories. <clears throat> because for me, I got number one i will say that this type of world is a specific nightmare to me mm -hmm. um i think ever since i was a little kid and there's always levels and i feel i feel bad because i wanted time to articulate these thoughts on like write them out mm -hmm. before i try and talk about it because i don't know if i'll be able to do it uh but work was crazy today so i didn't have time um but i feel like there there are layers when you get to um abstract narratives right it, it, i guess the actual term is like um oh what's f uh fantasy not fantasy but help me out I couldn't tell you. Um, magical realism. Okay. Oh, that one hurt. <laughs> uh, ma magical realism, where it's like a an identifiable world, but some things are slightly right. off, and and you, and you have like levels of that, right? You you have, you know, kind of the Wizard of Oz, um, Alice in Wonderland type of stuff. Yeah. Where it is starting you in a real world and then abstracting it at a certain point but you are at least tethered to the real world and then you go down a few more levels and then you're in like in the mouth of madness type of stuff where or jacob's ladder mm -hmm. when you're getting into right like here's here's an unsound mind right yeah uh but you don't necessarily have like you don't know what's real and th and that's the kind of stuff that i don't i start it makes me uncomfortable mm -hmm. mandy was a movie that came out last year two years ago with nicholas cage that people love that type of stuff i don't go for where yeah. it's just abstracted reality with no connection to a real identifiable world with working rules where seemingly anything can happen. And I don't like feeling that way. I don't like that would be my personal hell. Mm -hmm. Here's a universe that has houses, but everybody lives on the roof uh -huh. and acts as if living on the roof is what you do, you know? And, uh, that would that would terrify me yeah like that would just absolutely terrify me and then you get to the level of like david lynch where i really put off david lynch films for a very long time because just the idea of some of his stories was that terrifying to me right and then i watched Eraserhead, uh and i remember being like my connection here is david lynch like i feel like here's a guy who actually is like in some weird way tapped into these abstracted realities mm -hmm. and so you feel like it's still identifiable in a almost like an emotional way 
that grounded me. So when you have a lady, a moon faced lady singing in a radiator, uh, that's terrifying. Uh -huh. I still found it <laughs> compelling and not right. terrifying, but there are like, again, I go back to like in the, in the mouth of madness. That was, who was that carpenter who directed that? Yeah. That movie still Sam Neil. lost highway. I never that, saw lost highway. That that's Lynch. And mm. that again, like those stories are the ones that deeply unsettle me. So in comes Kentucky route zero. Where you have this idea of this spiritual highway type of place, right? Yeah. You're trying to do this thing, accomplish this goal. I need to deliver these antiques. Mm -hmm. And the first place you pull off is a gas station and you have a dog with a straw hat. Mm -hmm. What'd you name yours? Homer. Yeah, me too. And you talk to an old man, going downstairs, and there are people playing a game. The people disappear. Mm -hmm. Did you find their their dice? Mm -hmm. What did you do with the dice? I left it on the table. Me too. As an appeasement to the spirits. I mean, th th this, is, <laughs> this is like what I would do. And I so, just thought it'd be nice for them to come back to their game and find their dice. Well, see, there, there you go. And and I feel like again, that's the difference. Like. This world enveloped me from that first little bit. I mean, I ran up and down those stairs so many times. And I'm uh -huh. thinking, like, what if I'm this person? And I actually got scared because I accidentally did the main story too quickly. Because mm -hmm. it doesn't really tell you. Like, you know, you have directions for where you want to go next. Yeah. But you hit all these other things. And I kind of wanted to do the story in the way that they set it up. I didn't want to wander right. too far. Uh, and so I'm doing it the way that I think it's being laid out. And then before I know it, I'm in a mine and the mine, you know, going there is, is like the turn on or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, Oh, am I going on the route zero now? Like, did, am I not going to be able to explore all those other areas? Right, Cause I drove yeah. around all those areas. There's right. a church, there's a guy playing a guitar. There's a factory. There are all these other places on the map. Uh, but luckily, you know, when you push through that, you're still there to explore. So I got to go back and kind of do everything. But also that's how I would do it. If I was in a magical realist world, I would be the one like trying to explore the least amount of it. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, trying to stay as tethered to the real world as possible. Right. Because I don't like that abstraction. I don't like not knowing the rules of the world around me. And the part that perfectly, that, that personified this, did you see the airplane? No. So there's, it just says airplane. So I stopped the car. Oh, when you're driving around, you mean? Yep. I follow the directions to a T. I knew you would. <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, and, and again, because you're, you're not like terrified of <laughs> route zero like me. Well, I was just trying to get through it because it was a bit of a time crunch because I wanted to make sure I was done before we recorded. And I knew I wouldn't have a lot because I, I finished it right before we jumped on to play PUBG. On I guess that was Saturday Great night. Great game. Yeah. Great game. So 
I wanted to make sure because I knew that would also be really my only chance to like sit down and play it through in one sitting. So I wanted to make sure that I got the main chunk of it out of the way. Yeah. So I stop at this airplane. I get out and you just make this comment that these, these two people are pushing a plane, mm. like a biplane and they're pushing it down the side of the road. You just make this comment where you're like, those tires look old, like they're about to fall off. Soon they'll just be pushing the plane mm -hmm. with no wheels. But the people don't say anything. They just keep pushing the plane. And I watched the entire thing. Mm -hmm. Because, again, what world are they inhabiting? Mm -hmm. Like, you know what I mean? Who gave them this directive of push this plane? Where are they going with it? Is it literally just a Sisyphean task of like, is this hell, right? Is this like their punishment? Mm -hmm. Like you now need to push this plane for all eternity, no matter if the wheels fall off or whatever else. Like that stuff gets in my, that stuff messes with me. Uh -huh. <laughs> and where you say like, there's no real decisions to be made. What I push back against there is just, you get to set the tone of the conversations that you're having in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, so just like with the TV, you show up at this place, somebody's in there, you have a weird feeling about it, right? You're like, ah, this person isn't right. And I'm plugging in the TV and they're, they're saying something's not right with the TV. Mm -hmm. And they ask you like, Oh, do you not know how TV works? Did your parents have problems with it? And then you had three options, right? Mm -hmm. One was like, my mother heard voices in the static. Number two, my father said it'll rot your brain or something. I, I forget. And then the third one's basically like none of your business. Right. So, I mean, like you can actually set the tone of the story that's being told to be like, am I going to engage on these other more abstract ideas? And this story makes me feel like that will impact the story that you encounter. Yeah, potentially, but that's kind of my point. It's just that it's just kind of a technicality. Like, that's just kind of like flavor stuff. I, I don't imagine any of that stuff actually changing the arc of the story. Whether it does or doesn't, I think it to me, though, it speaks to the, to the moment, right? And how captured you are by the moment. Sure. If, if you're trying to get through it, then, yeah, you... you you might just pick the last option. That's or what I did every single option. time. Exactly. <laughs> like just every single time this. I picked the option that was really like, yeah, 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 yeah. Just get me, just get me through this. And so I'm looking at it like, what if I started to recognize that I wasn't in a real place? Uh -huh. Like what if I was really trying to deliver these antiques, have a weird encounter at a, at a gas station yeah. And now I'm in this lonely old house and there's this person here and they ask me something that is abstracted. Would I engage in that? And I was like, I would, mm. which is why I always went for like what I felt like was the honest response. The The other thing that I will say that, that I think, um, you know, you, you might miss that. I think this is the one part where I'll say, I think this is what you will miss that, that I think sucks mm -hmm. is I am getting a real feeling of like 
social commentary happening. Yeah, I picked up on that. And like really passing through the hollowed out center of our country. Right. And so looking at the devastation of, you know, industrialization, automation, um, you know, I, 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 I think that this is saying something about that. And that obviously is something that I'm very interested in. Yeah. And so I, I appreciate that too. Like it's not all just bizarre to be bizarre. Right. Yeah. No, I agree. I picked up on that. I mean, it's un- some of it's unavoidable when you get to the mine and because the one lady is having issues paying her power bill. Well, you can give her that issue. But... um. I feel like the lady in the house brings that up beforehand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But and on that's the phone call, unavoidable, right? Yeah. Well, and then you have the the cave-in on the mines, and so she right, yeah. she is also doing something. I went back with her and sent her down yeah. alone, and mm-hmm. then it kind of cuts weirdly. So when she finds a helmet, when she finds a helmet. But again, you have like the corporation doesn't care. You know, right. The, yeah, the, yeah. They left the bodies down there. Right. Like nobody cares. Uh, which again I think speaks to the economic social reality. Um and and I think it's it's important that they pick, you know, Kentucky, right? So mm-hmm. um so, so I do think, you know, Rust Belt, Bible Belt, I think about the church. You probably didn't go into the church. Mm-hmm. I don't think so. That to me is probably the most haunting moment of the first episode where other than the disappearing lady in the house who you then find later, she's just disappeared. The parents have died, Uh huh. but then she just, because she, you have to gone. go back to her house. Yeah. Right. No, no. But I mean like you go get her cousin in the mine or friend, right. And she's like, yeah, she used to be around here, but now she left. So it's not like she's dead. Mm-hmm. She in in the cousin's mind is like somewhere else in the country. Mm-hmm. But we probably assume now that she is dead because she's showing up back at this house and kind of disappearing. Mm-hmm. Um, but th- there's a church, and I stop at the church, and you kind of enter the church and you hear singing, mm-hmm. and it's another thing that captures my imagination in these like dream realms is trying to surround yourself with people, comfort, identifiable people. Uh-huh. Um, and so like I used to have nightmares as a kid and it was always me, you know, isolated in, in a dream world like that where I couldn't understand the rules and I yeah. felt threatened, but I didn't even know what the threat was. I just knew like somebody wants to hurt me, but wants to hurt me in a weird way, mm-hmm. like not in a normal way. Um, probably a reason why I like Stephen King books so much. I yeah. Think he, I think he taps into that stuff too. So anyway, you can choose to go deeper in, which I always chose to interact with everything. Like you, you also encounter yeah. some tanks that you can put your hand in. Okay. Yeah, I put my hand in every single one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, there's a part of that that just gets a little tedious. 
But if it doesn't, like, again, it, it's going to be tedious based on your connection. And for you, I can get it that it would be tedious. But for me, you end up being making a decision because you hear this singing happening in this church. And so my first inclination as I'm driving around mm -hmm. is like, let me see people. I just want to see people. Right. Hopefully they won't have fish heads or anything weird. <laughs> but if I can just see people doing something identifiable, then I'll be good. So I go in, but I know something is going to be off. And it's just a tape recorder playing, mm. the, you know, these people singing. And, you know, you, you go and you kind of turn it off. And then you're standing in an empty church. And all I want to do is run through the walls and get <laughs> out get of there. Out, right. um, it, it's the same thing with the song at the very beginning that the people are singing. Outside of the lady's house, right? Right. Yeah. Like I sat and listened to that whole thing. And part of it was I want to hear the song. The, the other part of it was like, oh, those are people mm -hmm. who are singing in a language I can understand. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know why they're singing at this late at night. I don't know what they're doing, but at least I can, I can hold on to them. So... Mm -hmm. Kentucky Route Zero, in that way, really worked on me. I think that that is very obviously subjective. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I think it worked. I, it was fine. I mean, I didn't not like it, right? But yeah. I, don't, I don't know. I just, yeah, it just is one of those things where, like, as I'm playing it, I feel like I'm getting twitchy, right? And I want to, like just go back to destiny and jump around and shoot some things because <laughs> I've got a controller in my hand. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Like, again, it's not something, you know, it's not something that I feel the need to like convince anybody for, but you know, for me, even like I put headphones on and it was just, yeah, I played with headphones. Yeah. It's, it's just like being immersed in that. And like, mm -hmm. again, if you could go back, like going back and just going to the church, like, I don't yeah. know how that doesn't translate and just, give a feeling of dread of again speaking to the socioeconomic like all the people who've gone mm -hmm. who have left um you know I, I talk about this too um i was down in texas when katrina hit and just saw this huge exodus of people mm -hmm. who were just like we've lost everything like they passed through where i was we went out and and uh helped you know kind of feed and shelter some people as they were passing through yeah and i remember talking to some people and be like where where are you going and it's like either i don't know or i'm going to my friend in, who lives in kentucky or right like my, my cousin you know there's nothing left for me there and you think about like again those people the people that society isn't really aware of but who are now gone right mm -hmm. who are who are living in those churches off that road, you know, that no one is ever going to go to, mm -hmm. um, who, who are now gone, who knows where they went. Right. But they're not there anymore. Um, that kind of lingering haunting feeling is, is something that I think it does really, really well. And as we progress through our time now, I just see happening more and more. Yeah. You know, like, they say in what 20 years like coastlines along the east coast are going to be massively 
different, right? Yeah. Up up the coast a little bit. Like yeah. even a little movement up the coast and you have now made made it unlivable for people on the eastern shore mm-hmm. uh, or, you know, whatever else. I just saw a headline. I couldn't bring myself to read it, but they were like, you know, Miami's screwed, mm-hmm. um, you know, because yeah. of where it's located and how low it lies mm-hmm. and climate change. Um, like those people are going to be relocated. Mm-hmm. Where are they going to go? What, what What's going to be there, right? Like even if I project beyond my lifetime into my son's lifetime or whatever, I, I, I can't help but believe the science and therefore believe a future that includes greatly impacted, hollowed out segments of our, you know, structure mm-hmm. of, of our society. Uh, and again, we think like, oh, that's not going to, it's like, it happened. It happened when the automobile industry, you know, took their, their, their business elsewhere, mm-hmm. uh, and, and shut down all the, uh, factories, right? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's, it's happened. You, you see that and I see it happening again in a few decades. Yeah. So thank you. Kentucky Route Zero for <laughs> yeah, just making me I can think see about why it. you liked it so much. <laughs> I mean, I do because it feels real. It yeah. feels it, it's tapping into a real fear and, and also a very personal fear that I know is unique to my brain. Um, but I'm excited to, to, to go on. Did you do the interstitial? No. That as soon as Act One stopped, you stopped. I did. Oop, Destiny. So the, or PUBG, I guess, because we're playing PUBG. The interstitial is is also something that I really enjoyed, and it does something that I like on a different, in a different mode. Mm-hmm. And the only thing I can compare it to, and it's such a fine line, like I can't imagine having to do it. But there are two games that have done something like this before. One of them is getting over it. Mm-hmm. Um, a game that I haven't played, but I watched a playthrough of, mm-hmm. and um, throughout the game, the developer would put in like philosophical, right comments and yeah. ideas, talk some like um social media theory and and stuff. Right. Put I some, have just one thing to say to you. Uh, and to me, that stuff works so well. And I know some people probably get to like the philosophy of getting over it. And they're like, all right, guy, I'm in a tub trying to get up this (laughs) trash mountain. 